Are you working? What kind of work do you do? All right, so we tried recording this on Tuesday. Yeah. Today's Thursday. Yeah, we tried recording this on Tuesday. It just went south. We had Daniel come in here, ruin the whole thing. We had to start over after we were 20 minutes in. Then somebody to fix the door came in and refused to leave, said they had to fix the door. Mm-hmm. But we're back. We're I mean, back. again, this, the podcast is called Sweat Equity because, yeah. frankly, you know, it's going to get a little bit ratchet sometimes. Yeah. We're going to have the property manager yeah. refuse to let us film a podcast. You know, it wasn't like you refused to let, yeah, nah, you refused to let the guy come back later. It was one of those things where like we were just getting throttled. Like yeah. it was like one after another. And it's <laughs> the like, funny thing right. was like, you know, I still had work to do. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go home and finish. Yeah. Like I, I was like, <laughs> so just like, <laughs> no, nah, we definitely needed to like switch went down up the vibes a little bit, but we're back. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we got a loaded slate today. I'm super excited about the stuff you want to talk about. I think, you know, particularly this Netflix stuff looks really interesting. I don't have Netflix today. Yeah. Word. I Growing still, pains. still, <laughs> yeah, still doing research. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, have two, I have two other docs. Okay. Um, so the first one I'm going to be talking about is the framework that everybody gets wrong. So everybody thinks about, content community commerce. There's one more C to that. That uh-huh. uh, initial framework is 75% right, but that other 25% I think is like the missing element Okay. Um, to building a successful company. The second thing I'm gonna talk about is Allbirds. And I mean, they've been in a slump, they've been on the decline. If I'm them, how do I save them? How do I grow them? Right. You said this uh, before the pod, Nobody that has juice wears wears, <laughs> wears uh, Alberts. Yeah, wears Alberts. Yeah, there's somebody on our team wearing Alberts today. So <laughs> we got it. Unso- we got to like save Alberts. We yeah, it was. We have to save Alberts because Daniel does have the juice. So yeah, he um, certainly does. Yeah, he certainly does. So we got to get into that. But what do you got? Um, happy to be proven wrong there. First of all, and then second of all, um, I want to talk about flip. It's a TikTok shop and Amazon competitor that has been relentless with their growth strategy. They're giving out money like crazy, trying to use this VC funding to subsidize user acquisition. I think that's going to fail, but I'm going to propose the thing that they should do to actually make it work and take over the future of commerce. Um, Second thing I want to talk about, there was a viral Reddit thread that came out the other day. A guy said he watched 1,500 hours of Mr. Beast content and took notes on the seven things that he includes in every single video to keep people throughout the entire video for retention. Um, So we're gonna break that down, make sure everyone's able to kind of incorporate that into their video strategy. Yeah, why don't you fire it up? Um, So one of the things that we're gonna talk about or that I mentioned is this this idea of this framework, right? This four-part framework, the four C's to build a successful company. And one thing I want to touch on first is like, we're kind of now doing this. Like this is, we were touching on this on, on Tuesday, but like, you know, one of the big shifts that we're doing with marketing and examine is diving into YouTube mm-hmm. and to kind of like create this creator led company or founder faced company. Um, and so we spent, you know, five or six hours filming YouTube content on Monday and essentially taking our case studies and recreating them and, and, you know, bringing them, uh, to life through video version. We we gotta we gotta pull up an image of your light skin face in the theater on the video of this. Oh, did you see the images? Yeah, the people gotta see it. That, so guys, yeah, I for context, I had my like IG model era <laughs> where I was trying to like be one of those yeah. uh 
travel influencers, you could say. Like you're you know, just always at a beach for some reason. Well, I and lived like, I lived in South Florida, so like the yeah. beach was always by me. For, yeah, you know for what sure, I mean? Like, sure. I thought you were at T State there for a while. No, when I was at T State <laughs> though, I was always by the river. Yeah, you yeah, know what yeah. I'm saying? Like you could have swore I was like. Mm-hmm. somewhere beautiful and again san marcos is actually a hidden gem but like for sure i was in san marcos just like figuring out ways to make this look like i'm on a tropical island yeah, for sure nah. and then these new shots uh we'll put them up but it kind of looks like you it's like the second casting call for stranger things like <laughs> it looks like you just got cut right before they were about to air the show that's so funny okay so the the first thing i want to talk about is everybody talks about community or sorry content community and commerce right I think the biggest thing missing to that uh, framework is creator. Mm. And that is the person who's leading the army, right? You think about content, community, and commerce, and, and you think like, oh, that sounds, that sounds amazing, right? Like you, you put out the content, then you build a community, and then intertwine there, you monetize with commerce. Right. But nobody's leading charge, right? Like we're, we're big on this, this idea and movement of people follow people, not institutions, right? Right. When you look at that framework, it is missing the part that establishes that framework as like a, a true statement, yeah. right? And and so there's actually a lot of good examples of this getting built out or that have been built out. Um, one of them is like Marcus Malone with Minted New York. For sure. He kind of built his, uh, like he's founder faced for Minted. Minted, he used TikTok to create that uh, that audience. That's where he created his content. Now he's building the community through his run clubs. And then the commerce aspect of it is Minton New York, right? He's, right. I think it's, I think Minton New York does seven figures in revenue. Yeah. Definitely. And yeah. And They're like probably just supply constraint too, right? I mean, I 100%. think he could probably do a lot more if he really wanted to like yeah. take an investment and like grow the business that way. But I think he's just, dude, he's just vibing. Yes. <laughs> he's enjoying himself. Another one is Alpha Lee. I'm yeah. sure you've seen them. Mm-hmm. Um, they do $200 million in revenue. It started as a YouTube channel. This Crazy. guy, Christian Guzman, mm-hmm. over in Houston, started documenting all his workouts, competing, um, and then built up Alpha Elite, built up his gym as well, which is now like a destination. So like around Alpha Elite, which is which is the the home brand, they built like the home HQ in, in Houston. Yeah. Yeah. And like they'll do drops, dude. And I'll see videos of people lining outside the entire gym, like waiting to get in to buy product. Yeah. Um, one that I've talked on a ton of times on this pod, and I won't mention it again, is Represent. Represent's done this. Uh, George Heaton's done this. They have run clubs. Uh, he's building the brand on YouTube as well, too. Like BTS, becoming the face of it. They do 50 million or 100 million in revenue, like in that mm-hmm. ballpark. Yeah. So one of the ones that's most interesting to me is BPN. Mm-hmm. So have you heard of Nick Bear? Mm-hmm. I have. So, Nick Bear to me is fucking fascinating. Like the way he's built BPN. So it started in 2012 out of his college dorm room, Mm -hmm. right? He graduates, he goes into the army. He's studying, I think he studied like nutrition and, and, you know, uh, I don't want to say physical therapy, like just training, exercise science. That's what it is. Um, And so he goes into it and he's like, I'm going to start BPN. And then he says, I'm going to make a million dollars the first year. Well, he doesn't. Year one ends and he's made $20,000. Right. Fast forward to 2022, 10 years later, they did 40 million in revenue. This year, they're on track for 50, from what I've heard, 50, 60 million in revenue. And I think they have the potential to be a hundred million dollar company. For sure. So the key to this is part one of, of uh, the framework, which is being creator led. And in this case, that is Nick Bear. He has created the brand entirely around his persona, around his goals and what he's doing in life. Right. So right now he's training for a sub, I think 245 marathon, right? That is his goal. So then what he does is he creates like a playlist on YouTube 
that is his entire series to attaining mm -hmm. that goal. So like every week they'll drop a video. Right. And and by doing this, and he's done this for, I think it's like Leadville 100, which is a hundred mile race in Colorado. When you run through like the mountains, it looks brutal. Yeah. Uh, an Ironman, um, his first marathon, trying to do sub three, training for a bodybuilding show, like all these different things. He creates these series around them. Right. right? And because of that, he's built up a massive following on social where he has 1.1 million subscribers on YouTube, uh, hundreds of thousands on on Instagram. Um, and then so again, like the other layer to that is they all fall in love with Nick because they feel right. like they're a part of Nick's journey, what Nick's trying to achieve in life. And they see him go from like, okay, uh, at the beginning of this series, you were running a three hour marathon. You have to shave 15 seconds off over the next, you know, let's call it 20 weeks. Okay. Like they now see him run a two hour and 55 minute marathon. And then right. they see, like they see the progression. They right. see what yeah. he's eating on a daily basis. They just, they just see all the behind the scenes and they feel like they're buying into that goal. Right. Right. And this is like what, what really shifts from subscribers to fans. Yeah. Right. That's part one. The second part of it is by doing this, they've mastered YouTube. And to me, YouTube is the most powerful platform when you're trying to build right. a connection for, for your, or with your audience. Like a, yeah. a a deeper layer of connection. And this is like more of a, just a, a, a hard like thought of, I actually think YouTube, I, cause I've seen this pretty often. People will say like podcast listeners are the most um, valuable listener. I'd argue that YouTube listener or YouTube subscribers are the most uh, like powerful subscriber follower. And the reason I think about this is, and this is a hot take. Rogan is the biggest podcaster in the world, right? For sure. He sold to he sold signed a ten year deal to Spotify where it was worth two or three hundred million dollars. Mm -hmm. Somebody, Mr. Beast is the biggest YouTuber in the world, right? Yeah. Somebody offered Mr. Beast a billion dollars for his channel. Not even close. He wouldn't think about it. No, no. This is this happened though. Yeah. Somebody did offer him. Right. And, you know what I'm saying? And like, so I'm looking like, at no. the, the the biggest in the world, and that is a very big difference of like a billion dollars for a channel versus. 300 million for for a pod no doubt i mean dude a lot of these youtubers like i you're, you're so locked in as like if you think about user behavior right like i will go i i listen to podcasts in a much different way I do too. than youtube like I do too. youtube for our generation and even below even people like maybe 10 years older than us like it's their new tv yeah right like i'm i'm going to youtube almost more often than i'm going to uh like live tv unless it's like sports or like some sort of appointments type of television and when you're locked in like when you're subscribed to like say like 25 30 channels right yeah like you're gonna watch almost every single weekly piece of content that that person puts 100 percent. it's addicting 100%. right you want to follow along you feel like you're a part of their community yeah and i think with podcasts like you know there is the concept that they're in your ear yeah right it's like as close to your brain as humanly possible which yeah. is wild but Ultimately, like you can skip podcasts a lot easier than I think you can skip YouTube episodes yeah. that you want to watch because maybe you want to like listen to it in the car or on a long walk or yeah. whatever it or is. Or like while you work and shit like that. Right, but you're always yes. going to be chilling, settling down to watch some TV at least like once or twice a week and catching up on your YouTube. Stuff. You know how like when you were a kid and you were like, Hey mom, can I eat on the couch today? Can I eat dinner on the couch today? Because yeah. I really want to watch TV. Right. TV like, tray. Yeah. yeah. I do the, in the same in the thing. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do the same thing now with YouTubers or yeah. not YouTubers, but like creators that I really like that have YouTube channels. For sure. I'm like, I'm sitting down on the couch and I am enjoying 
their their channel or their video that they just drop like it's like the best thing yes. in the world dude it it's is like so why would you sit down and watch your video? i mean dude it's because it's uh what's crazy about it is if you, if you really break it down like what that behavior used to be is you were watching your favorite show of the week yeah right or like yeah it was they that was or on sports or whatever it the was, network yeah. decided what time that show was airing yeah. So that didn't always align with your schedule. Nope. With YouTube, it's on your time. Like you get to watch that episode whenever you want, which maybe that even further endears the viewer to the creator, yeah. right? Is like they're on their own time. Like the creator is just giving this to you for your own enjoyment whenever you want. Yes. Um, and so then the other part of, of this content layer that they have is like every, everything is, is centered around Nick, Nick's goals and the most interesting part to me is how then he organically pushes product within these videos. Right. Because he is training for the Austin Marathon or he is training for Leadville 100 or a bodybuilding show. He's like, the video will be, you know, everything in a, I eat in a day on a 12 mile, you know, run day or something like that. Right. And then he starts pushing his like new BPN uh, gels. Right, that are like the but gels. it's authentic, right? I know that's what I'm you, saying. You like, believe him exactly. Yeah. It's the, well, you, you'll see him running, and he's eating a gel, and it's just part of his right. routine. And if it's but the bodybuilding competition, he's like, okay, uh, in the morning I take strong reds, strong greens, which is like you know fruit and vegetable supplement, mm -hmm. and then I take this uh, BPN flight, and then I take whatever pump, and I take these supplements before I go do my my bodybuilding session. And it's just like these organic uh, way, ways of putting in the product where you don't feel like you're selling it. It's just part of the routine. Right. Something I heard great from somebody is like, you know, you're launching the right product or you launch the right product when it gets uh, put into your content and it feels completely natural. It doesn't feel like a paid promotion. 100%. Right. So like you, you think about these videos that get hundreds of thousands, if not millions of views, they all have multiple like Product placements. Dude, yeah. It's like they have multiple like mid-roll placements for BPN. Yeah. You know, and because of that, everybody that's a fan of Nick and is like, I want to be like Nick. I've been following Nick for five years. I want to be like him. I want to run my first marathon. I want to uh, do Leadville 100. I want to be in a bodybuilding competition. Feel like they have to take uh, BPN supplements to get there. Right. Right. And it's like now this content is a bridge to the to commerce. Yeah. Which is the other the other aspect of of this framework. And it's helped build the fifty million dollar company on the back end of YouTube. They didn't even do paid advertising until last year. That's crazy. Right. Like yeah. this was all completely organic off of of YouTube. The last layer that I want to talk about, which I think is the most interesting part is how you go from subscribers to fans to super fans is community. Mm -hmm. right my friend ethan brooks that worked at the hustle and was part of trends he put out a really good tweet about uh communities he's like look if you have uh subscribers or an audience that is just an audience like you that's all you have if they are not connecting with each other communities connect other people right whereas like if nick bear left like people would still connect with each other right yeah 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 and what they've done is they've done two things so the community has a slogan which is go one more Dope. Right. And so now it's like, it's a thing that people tattoo on themselves. Like so many people have go one more tattooed on themselves. Yeah. And it's become like the core of the community. And then the other aspect is then they put on these events where that community now comes together. So they have run clubs, they have shakeout runs, they have all sorts of like lifting things where that now that entire community will come and, and join like and build that army. Yeah. And my biggest thing with this framework is everybody wants to build an army, 
but every army needs a leader. For sure. Right? And that is, the, when you look at this framework of creator, content, community, commerce, you have to have, like the biggest element, the missing part is you have to have the person that everybody's following. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think, um, you know, another interesting, uh, I, got, I got two things that I really want to talk about from that. Number one, I think another guy who has done this incredibly well is Andy Frazella mm-hmm. from First Form yeah. with 75 Hard. Right, creating that challenge, and basically, it feels like at least in our world where we know a lot of people that like to work out and stay active, mm-hmm. I know at least five to ten people that have tried seventy five hard, maybe more yeah um and to create that you know network effect where almost anyone like two to three degrees away from you has tried a challenge is pretty insane, especially when you associate it with your supplements brand yes. that optimizes for peak performance um number two. This is very doable in fitness. Yes, super doable. A lot of a lot of the examples that we've talked about just now are They're fitness related. Are, are fitness related. And I think what could be interesting is like, are there you know cooking creators that are doing this right? Like the OG Rachel Ray, bro. You know, you remember her? Like yeah. she was going crazy on yeah. on the cooking channel, like or the Food Network, and then obviously monetizing downstream with pants, yeah. right? Gordon Ramsay and Hexclad, another great example. They have a Hell's Kitchen collab every year that goes nuts. Yeah. And like Gordon <laughs> is a part of that company, but obviously he's not an operator, yeah. right? He's just kind of a face of it. So there's there's the Nick Bear side where he truly is like the CEO and the founder. Yes. And then there's also kind of just partnering with the creator to be the head of the snake, even though they might not be that involved operationally. Yeah. Um, but I wonder what what other niches do you think this is super possible to do? Because, you know, fitness makes a ton of sense. Supplements makes a ton of sense. Cooking makes a ton of sense. Apparel, obviously. I was going to say apparel. Like apparel's... Beauty? 100% a big one. Like yeah. you, we were talking about Virgil before this. Like right. Virgil kind of did this with Off-White. Yeah. Um, Jones wrote Beauty. For yeah, her, Jones wrote you know, Beauty. Bobby for Brown. Sure. I for mean, sure. have you heard the origin story of that brand? Yes. She, Just because she, I've done a lot of like talks or interviews with Cody. Yeah. Um, so, so cool. Yes. She, she sold her first thing and then yeah. had like the earnout period. And then she's like, no, nah, I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. now they're taking over again. Like so, so cool. I think beauty is a really good one. Uh, definitely like personal care, you know, any sort of like skincare products and stuff like that. I think media companies. Yeah. Like I think that's an, another obvious one. Um, Seems dude, like I mean, real estate. even like outdoor shit. Think about like, like real if estate. You, yeah, real estate's in, for sure can Create be Create an association that like yeah. competes with... Dude, you could do a sports, uh, like destroying, destroying. Yeah, right. Like he could do anything kind of in the sports world now. And he's done this. Like he's created big, super big on YouTube. Um, he's kind of built a, a community through his content by doing these one-on-ones, mm-hmm. right? He hasn't nailed the commerce side yet. Like he launched some clothes and then he even went on to say like, like, I don't feel like I, I did a great job with the clothes. I want to, like, take a step back and, yeah. and do this better. But, like, I think he could partner with a similar, like, Dion did with Blender's Eyewear. Yeah. And do, like, I think he wears sunglasses pretty often or whatnot. Like, I, you know, he could probably partner with a Blender's Eyewear kind of brand and nail something like that. Uh, I think of automatically, like, people into fishing. Yeah. Like that would crush. Fishing and hunting. I feel like those Fishing, are like sneaky, hunting, massive yeah. markets. Dude. Yeah. That like nobody uh, kind of talks about. Carnivore MD crew. Yeah. Like for they, sure. I think they've done a great job of it. Uh, I get hit now with his videos. All they're the a time. beautiful example of like not being afraid of your niche. Like yeah. 
they have kind of like an outlier point of view on a lot of things yeah. and they're not afraid to talk about it. Yeah. And what's happened is I think the response from the broader like American public has probably been more than they could have even anticipated, yeah. right? Like their yeah. message really resonates even though it's a little out there. Yeah, hunting and fishing is a really good one too. I mean, I think, you know, you could definitely like downstream monetize some pretty crazy yeah. active wear think in the if, hunting space. Think if you are like just this very well-known fly fisherman, right? And you create all these different the different videos on YouTube about fishing in in Oregon and fishing in, you know, um, in Utah or uh, like whatever those states are and you create like stellar content, then you host different fishing classes or come fish with me like yeah. or a competition or a challenge, whatever. And then you monetize by either A, partnering with other brands and launching like your own reel, your own rod, or right. B, you partner with a manufacturer and you launch your own like lures. For sure. Right? There are so many opportunities in in that world and like the sports adventurous outdoor world. Um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting was uh, we used to do the the content for Kane Footwear, which yeah. I told you about. Right. And so they, they had a booth at the Austin Marathon, which mm. is at the Expo Center over here. And so I was there, me, uh, I was there for, for the expo. And when I'm there, I realized one BPN was like the main sponsor of the Austin marathon. So I was like, Oh, that's, that's dope. That means that's like, that's a big come up. Yeah. Two, I noticed that legitimately every third to fifth person that walked into that expo center and there were thousands of people in there was wearing BPN gear. They were wearing a hat. They were, they were wearing shirts. They were wearing the shorts, like even the socks, like they were just tatted in BPN gear. Which made me, th I look at them and I'm like, that's a YouTube subscriber. That's a YouTube subscriber. That's another YouTube subscriber. Sure. And that blew my mind of just like that YouTube is the, that avenue to building that fan base. Yeah. And so I want to leave it with how, like, how can you do this? Right. Like how, what, if you want to take a, advantage of this um, framework, like how do you, how do you actually build it? So the first one is for the creator. Two things. You either hire a creator or you bring on a creator that's going to be the front face of uh, front facing for the brand. Right. If you're not going to be it, like if you have a great idea and you're like, hey, if we put the, a creator in front of this, um, it would blow up. If you have the potential, then you do it. Then 100%. you be it. Right. Yeah. For content, you want to start with what is the channel that you're going to find your fans to start and also has the 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 lowest barrier of entry to start there. You want to start with one and land and expand. You don't mm -hmm. want to, if you can't start on YouTube tomorrow, don't start on YouTube, right? Minton New York was completely built off TikTok before he started going onto Instagram. And I don't know if he has YouTube, but like he built a seven figure company on the back end of right. TikTok. Right. Um, for product or for commerce, what product seamlessly, seamlessly fits into your content where it doesn't feel like an ad? It just feels like it's part of your life. It just feels like it's part of your routine. Emma, Cham Emma Chamberlain did this with, you know, yeah. Chamberlain Coffee. Yeah. And she's a perfect example of it. You know, they, they do talk about that in, so when you're fundraising, right? Like some of the advice that they give you is you always want to relate like your product to a problem that you personally yes. experienced and had to solve, yes. right? Like, yeah. because that is such a more relevant founder story yeah. to an investor, to a customer, for any sort of content you're trying to create. Yeah. Did you personally experience this problem? Are you the only person that you thought could solve it? 100%. Right? And then you basically just go find your tribe from there. Yes. The last part is for community. So how can you establish this shared mission, vision, and ethos amongst this audience that brings them together to form that community where Brian wants to be with Gus because they both are now, they love BPN, they feel connected, they got gun, go one more 
yeah. tatted on them and they yeah. want to be connected with that people. If you can build this, you do build an endless loop that continuously feeds itself that has endless potential in this digital era where uh, word of mouth can be scaled to ridiculous amounts, of, like to just the absolute masses. Mm -hmm. That is what this framework can do. And it could scale you, I mean, exponentially. You just, I'm sure you saw this yesterday, but Logan, I think it was like Logan Paul is on track to be a billionaire. Uh, they'll, they'll do $1.2 billion, billion dollars in sorry. sales this year. That's false information. I mean, he's, he's going to be a billionaire. He's going to be a billionaire. Yeah. He, and he might be YouTube's first billionaire. Yeah. He you might be Mr. Mr. Beast. Beast. He might be. It's going to be a tight race. It's a cool race. I don't know. Mr. Beast just like throws cash. So it's like, That's true. like Logan keeps it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it is wild to see like, you know, this company that came into the sports drink market has blown up so fast on the back end of a creator, two creators, KSI and Logan Paul, um, to the fact, to the point that they're going to do $1.2 billion in sales. Yeah. No, it's wild. It's wild. I think uh, that's also probably the best playbook to get a brand off the ground these days. Yes. I don't think anyone would recommend doing anything other than leading with content because yeah. you're saving yourself such an absurd amount of money when you really think about it. You're documenting the things that you're already going to be doing building that company yeah. and you're just documenting it and yes. showing that you actually want to build a relationship with the people who are going to end up supporting you versus... I need to pay an agency to create ads and I need to pay a web dev agency, like all these other expenses that you basically, you know, I need to pay a 3PL. It's like, dude, ship it out of your apartment and show that you're shipping in it. And that's going to be like a great piece of content that makes you super relatable. Don't pay a 3PL. Did you see that Midday Squares video that I posted yesterday? Oh yeah. Because you, you wrote a, a content piece on Midday Squares. And so, and, and I think in the content piece, you were like, just check out their TikTok. Like, I don't even got to break this down. Just check it out. It's a masterclass. And I did. And one of their top videos that got nearly 2 million views was like showing them failing at creating a product that they really wanted to create. Yeah. yeah. And like when you look at the comments, it was so relatable Yeah. that like they, they did everything right. They had like open loops. They introduced a character like there's highs and lows in the video. Like, oh, my no, gosh, we spent their story. Time three is insane. Dude, it was so good. Yeah. And what they did is they, they which is if you are you are going to do this, here's the one takeaway you could do. There's a story within every day. Right. Your your goal is to find that story and amplify that story and create content around that story. Right. Right. And it doesn't have to be the most like people when they think of creating this story, they think it has to be this how I got to 200,000 subscribers. It's like, no, 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 no. no. Here's me recording my first podcast episode. Here's how I'm going to like prep for it. Yeah. That is a great story. If you're a creator, that's a great story. Right. 100%. Like I could have done that today with our pod of like, OK, I woke up, you know, I Spent time with Zara. Zara yeah, yeah okay. I spent time with Zara, came straight to the office, totally procrastinated on prepping for the pod. And so now I am <laughs> slamming down an energy drink after two espressos to yeah. like try to finish this, this, yeah. uh, like the, the prepping for the pod. Like, right. Like it's, yeah. but there is a story in there where you start getting connected. Right. To and everyone thinks you got to be perfect on, yeah. on camera. And it's just like, weirdly enough in today's day and age, I think people are so used to everyone looking like a cyborg online yeah. that they want to see the real and that actually helps a lot. And there's a big barrier of entry that's primarily internal for almost anyone trying to make yes. content, right? Like thinking people will care like, oh, what, you know, what if no one likes this stuff? It's like, all right, well, you're just in the same place you were before. I think this is the perfect segue for if you are going to do this now, you might as well take the, the psychology lessons from Mr. Beast's videos and apply it to this content. So please take, take the floor away. Couldn't agree more. So Mr. Beast, we just talked about yeah. many times, biggest YouTuber in the world. And 
what I think he does better than almost anybody is blending the art and the science, yes. right? Okay. So there's two things there. Number one, the art. He understands that people want to see novelty. He understands that they want to see dollar signs. He understands that people want to see contrast, like nostalgia, like they want to be curious. Like there's all the sorts of emotions that people want to see. But what's so crazy about him is that he incorporates it using science, right? The quick cuts. Like if you watch a Mr. Beast video, like I wish someone would just record where your eyes are going the whole time. Like they're just everywhere, right? Like there's so many different things yeah. going on. And um, it's he because controls he's, your attention. Like he's, he's adapted so it to it. our current yeah. attention spans, right? It, and it's, it's crazy how he has done that. There was a Reddit thread that came out and this guy claimed to watch all of Mr. Beast videos, whether or not that was him or a VA, a VA. <laughs> we don't know. But uh, he did break down the seven psychological strategies that Mr. Beast includes in every single video to retain users for as long as possible. So if you're going to create content, these are the seven things you want to shoot for in every video. Number one, the novelty effect, right? So you want to present something so out of the ordinary that people feel they have no choice but to watch, right? So here's an example, the Willy Wonka chocolate factory, right? Like that's completely absurd. Yeah. <laughs> like I, re I rebuilt Willy Wonka's chocolate factory yeah. and invited 10 people to come. I'm probably going to be like, well, what is this chocolate factory? How far did he go? Yeah. You know, um, number two, cost signaling. So this is something that you'll see a lot with, uh, you know, YouTubers. They always include like the dollar amount. Yeah in their headline, right? Like, for example, I'm giving away an $800,000 island, right? Okay, again, I'm going to probably think, why are the stakes so high on this island? Like, this seems valuable. Like, he invested into this content. Like, I got to see what his investment payoff was. There was also like the, he does a lot of $1 versus $1 million. Yes. Or $1 boat versus I think billion dollar boat. Right. And Which, I think the other one's like the car one. It's like $1 car versus a million dollar car or $100 million 100%. Car. So that actually is a perfect segue uh, into the contrast effect. Right? Gotcha. So yeah. he loves to say, you know, I stayed in a $1 and a million dollar hotel room, right? Like mm. our brains are drawn to start contrast. Like we, yeah. we like to see like the difference between black and white, right? Or red and blue, like whatever it is. So his headlines often pit two extremes against each other. Um, super interesting because like your curiosity gap when you see like these two extremes on either side is gonna be really wide, yeah. right? Like, okay, you know, what does this million dollar hotel room look like? Um, and like, wouldn't you ever wanna, like when I saw that headline, I was like, what does a fucking dollar car look like? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And like they, it was wild for me to see that, oh right. shit, like he really bought this junkyard car for a dollar and then spent whatever thousand dollars, thousands of dollars to, to fix it up. Um, another one that he does really well, numerical precision, right? So it's called the concreteness effect. People love to anchor into like specific numbers, right? So uh, it's more likely to be remembered than something abstract or intangible. So, you know, I'm going through the same drive through 1,000 times. Mm, yes. That's something that he does. And it's like, by the end of that video, like, you're going to know exactly what the drive through looks like. And probably five years from now, you're still going to remember yeah. what that drive through looked like. There's so many viral YouTube videos that I bet fans could recall the entire thing. And it's because people are very precise, right? They do these things 500 times. Like, didn't, wasn't one of his first viral videos something like that? He was like, I said somebody's name like a million times or a hundred thousand. I think times. it was Logan Paul. It was Logan Paul, yeah. right? That's what yeah. I thought. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. 
PewDiePie. Maybe PewDiePie was like another huge YouTuber back in the day. Really? Okay. Um, so another one. Uh, this is number, number five. Nostalgia, right? We all love to recall a bygone era when things were simpler. Um, so, you know, what he did is for Squid Games, for example, it's like, oh, you remember when Squid Games was out? Like it was yeah. going viral. Like everyone was talking about it. It was like a huge part of the pandemic, like cultural experience. It was cultural. Um, you know, it provides emotional comfort, provides identity reinforcement, social connection. And above all else, it kind of feels bittersweet, which is, you know, a feeling that a lot of people are drawn to. Number six, morbid curiosity. So I like this one a lot. Example, surviving 24 hours in the Bermuda Triangle, right? So it's like- I would never. Yeah, I'm done, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm done. Every I'm, time I fly from like New York to Europe or wherever, and like I see, you'll, you'll see like the plane getting near it. Because uh, it says yeah. Bermuda Triangle on the map. They have it on the map? Yeah. Damn, they're and trolling. Dude, it fucks me up. That's crazy. It, I'm like sitting there like, yo, yeah. don't get lost. Like it just, it's yeah, like this yeah, like yeah. one hour One bump episode. and you're like, you just yeah. grab Vanessa? Yeah, I'm like, Vanessa, come on. <laughs> Babe, I'm scared. I love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, <laughs> so excited for our vacation. We're going to make it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, morbid curiosity explains why you're drawn to situations that are disturbing, disturbing, grotesque, frightening, whatever. And it's this, it's a tension between wanting to avoid harm, but an irresistible desire to know what that harm is going to be. Um, and then the last thing is just, you know, straightforward FOMO and urgency, right? Last one to leave the $800,000 island keeps it. Okay, well, at this point, I got to know who's going to yeah. win that. Um, you know, you don't want to miss out on the outcome. And above all else, it's like time-sensitive challenges, exclusive opportunities, high-stakes competitions. Like these are all things that generate kind of that FOMO of not seeing it through. And these can all be applied to any piece of content, though. Any, like, any content. like you can write a Twitter thread and apply at one aspect of this. Like I spent... Uh, one this is a one dollar landing page versus a hundred dollar landing or a thousand dollar landing page and that can be a great twitter thread that honestly i like we should do yeah, someone that's sure. actually done this is uh you know nick ivy yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so low-key man's been holding out on me i didn't know he had eighty-two thousand subs on youtube did really? you know that yeah dude nick is a silent killer silent he's killer, such bro. a silent killer bro. silent killer yeah he's gonna be outfitting this whole uh, warehouse with some art too, which I'm pumped for. Dope. But anyways, he's done a good amount of uh, content with the contrast in the headline, where it's like a dollar brush versus a hundred dollar brush, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's it's I and because of it, I thought about different ideas for marketing salmon of like actually, I'll give you one that they did this. Um, you know, Wistia, right? They, yeah. They they sponsor marketing salmon. They um they work with us. I knew of them because of a show that they put out right like a digital web show and it was called 1 10 100 or something like that and the premise was this it was we're going to make three videos we're going to partner with this company called i think it was like sandwich.co and they're, they're like some agency and they create video ads mm. we're going to spend a thousand dollars on a video we're going to spend ten thousand dollars on a video ad and then we're going to spend a hundred thousand dollars on a video ad and they actually did it for slack yeah, yeah and yeah. it showed the difference of like what a thousand dollar video looks like versus 10 and versus a hundred thousand from a production level such a good series and it's like 20 minute episodes dude so good i mean it won so many awards too right um and that was their come up though mm -hmm. and the the super smart part about wistia was and why this is actually super interesting is wistia is an entire platform built on like 
adding your or creating it, the basis of it is that you should create long form content. Yeah. And then you should host that long form content and own that long form content and sponsor the pod with you. Yeah. You should own the long form uh, <laughs> content and put it on your website or like give it a home that you own all the data and analytics outside right. of YouTube. Right. And so the way that they did that or got that out to the masses was by launching their own show and it crushed. And then on top of that, then they launched the brain affinity playbook, which was like an mm. entire playbook of mm -hmm. People hate ads. They love long form content. Therefore, you should do long form content because that's what builds fans. Right. And ads just like acquire customers. Right. And then and if you if you choose to do that, use these seven strategies exactly. in your videos for you, YouTube yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Wistia, whichever yeah, yeah. one. Because and you can't lose though, yes. right? Like it, it it's kind of like a baseline. Like you know, a lot of people say that the the biggest barrier for them to start creating content is like I just don't have the ideas, right? Like I don't think Mr. Beast is like reinventing the wheel with. No. I built Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, right? Yeah. Like you could do this with any sort of like contemporary cultural example. Dude, you could do this of like, I built Willy, like for example, if you're a low budget creator, it's like, there is somebody that, that you obviously want to do these big ideas. Yeah. And you, you're not Mr. Beast yet. You could do, I built Willy Wonka's chocolate factory with $150. For sure. And or, it's like, how do you turn your room into like Willy, you know what I mean? Like you could, you can. Say you're like a local Austin creator, right? Like we, we've met a lot of like guys who kind of like make short films and yeah. like are editors in the area. Like I, I threw the best South by Southwest party for $150. Yes. Right? Like, yes. okay, everyone associates South by Southwest is like this big extravagant tech thing. And you somehow were able to reverse engineer like the funnest thing yes. possible. And dude, like that's going viral. Like if you document that, build it in public, like show people like kind of the unique hacks, the steps that you took to actually like secure the venue, to secure a DJ, like to secure food, catering, drinks, like, you know, maybe you're going above and beyond like changing favors, bartering with people, but like they're going to be invested in that end outcome. Yeah. And there's so much FOMO there. There's like all sorts of, you know, different like contrasts, like you're, you're using the cost signaling of a hundred, you're, you're anchoring yes. the cost of like everything there talking about, maybe you throw in, you know, how I uh, threw the best party at South by Southwest for $150 in under 48 hours, yep. right? Like now you've got numerical precision. Like it's a, it's a way to reverse engineer content ideas that can be applied to literally any niche. Um, so that's why I think it's so beautiful what he does, right? Is like, it is, you know, obviously the art of it is like, he understands culture. He understands yeah. he's, you know, incredibly remarkably talented person, but he really does just use like a formula. Yeah, he does. To create his content. Which is like, people have labeled it as the beastification of YouTube. I don't yeah. know if you like, you've read on that, but yeah. like, there's arrows. Call yeah. that. The other person I really like is Ryan Trahan. Yeah. yeah. And the reason is he does it complete, like he, he follows the Mr. Beast playbook. Right. With, uh, for example, like I survived on a penny or like I, I went across America with one penny and like it's like this vlog series. Yeah. But the difference is it's not these crazy abstract ideas that require millions of dollars. Right. It is him and two people filming all of his videos or it's like I survived or no, I spent 24 hours in a deprivation tank. I don't think that's actually true. It's like he spent X amount of time. It's like right. But it's, it's similar kind of like, uh, like super broad, like general stuff. Yes. Right. Like it's, it's not necessarily like a riches in the niches kind of approach. He's no. like, if you know, if you're 50 or if you're 20, like you can watch this video and probably get the gist of it immediately from the headline. There is this, uh, Colin and Samir. So there's like this new wave that Colin and Samir have actually been talking about. And it's like the next generation of creators fighting for the soul of YouTube. 
Mm. And it's actually super interesting. I found this yesterday. Yeah. And I want to send this to you just because it's like, it's all about people that are uh, rebelling against the beastification of YouTube. Really? Yeah. Sounds and like the people that are like, I don't want TikTok to take over the entertainment industry. It's kind of. You know? I think these are people that are are more, uh, have more of a relationship to storytelling and cinematics. Yeah. And like uh, introducing characters and like a story arc and like um, really playing off the the ideas of film. Yeah. And bringing that to YouTube. And so then they go and watch Mr. Beast and it's like this, he, because he knows what he's doing with like retention. Yeah. He knows how to edit and how to like make everything so fast paced that you just yeah. feel like, like you're like this, right? <laughs> like, yeah, like you're like definitely like this watching the entire video. Full and vegetable. I watched a lot of these, I watched a lot of these uh, new creators kind of videos. They're phenomenal, but they're so much slower. Like it is such a, di- it is such a different uh, approach to YouTube and content that it's, but it's interesting because it is, it's just another, like one of them, I don't remember. I think Natalie Lynn, she's a very like travel creator and does a lot of voiceovers and it's like, yeah. but it's the cinematics dude are like 10 out of 10. What was Trung's thing? The uh, cocaine phone and the kale phone, right? No, that, you know, what's funny. Huh. I'm going to, this is, this is my moment when I get to say like, I had that idea before it before, went out. Yeah. I bought my second phone. Yeah, and you guys all give me shit for having a second phone. I bought my second phone easily a year before I ever saw that thread. And it was, the idea was this. I'm going to take this phone, which is my normal phone. And I, at like 8 p.m. or at 7 p.m., like, yeah. it's going to go away. And yeah. I'm going to have my phone that has only my notes app. And it only has things that inspire me. It only has shit like that that I can consume. And, it, and it's like a distraction-free phone. Right. And then I think it was George Mack is who it was. It was, yeah. it was George Matt. Where I think, was I think like, Trung, Trung credited him. Trung might have gone viral on it. I don't remember. Yeah. And but. the idea is like you have your cocaine phone, which is the one that you're addicted to. It yeah, has, the dopamine. Yeah, it has Instagram, yeah. it has Snapchat, it has TikTok, it has Twitter, it has I think whatever. It's even, it, they even went down into like the, the colors, right? Like the color contrast and like how they like make it like super addicting to even look at. And then you like gray out the kale phone. So like you don't even want to look at that shit. It's just like yeah. a Kindle. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So the next thing I want to talk about and... I, this is, there's probably going to be a good amount of me looking at my screen on this one. Yeah. Fair warning. Notes. Because of, uh, there's a lot of notes and there's a lot of names that I'm going to butcher. Like materials that Allbirds uses, I don't know how to say, I know how to say two of these. Wool? Yeah, but it's not just <laughs> wool. It's merino wool. M-E-R-I-N-O. Is that spelled merino right? Merino wool? Yeah. Let's go. Okay. Then I know how to say. Damn, bro. You are from the South. Yeah, bro. Like That's, that's like a big material. Like where it's cold, like merino wool is like everywhere oh it's known yeah big time oh yeah dude. it's just like a nice like soft material it's high quality yeah you, i'm sure that's not the material that's in wife beaters and that's all i used to wear in south florida <laughs> also you have a beanie on it's 80 degrees outside <laughs> swag baby Come on now. yeah no you look good <laughs> i'm just kidding it's, it's for pod days yeah but for pod days i will wear whatever i have to wear yeah, for yeah. the photos and for the clips gotta get a fit off i'm just being completely honest yeah um okay so we know Alberts, right? Mm-hmm. Daniel's rocking them. Yeah. And they've kind of been in the slump, right? Like their stock went down. Uh, they're not as hot as they used to be. <laughs> went down a little bit. Only 96%. Only 96%. Yeah. 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 Um, and I want to analyze this and be like, okay, if I'm their marketing team or if I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm like, yo, we got to fix this. We got to turn this thing around. What am I going to do? How am I going to grow it? And so the first thing is 
the first thing that they fucked up was they scaled their ICP, which stands for uh, Ideal Customer Profile, to everyone. Yeah. That was the first thing that they did. So when you look at a successful rebrand, and the one I'll talk about is Abercrombie. Abercrombie used to be tailored just towards the cool kid. Mm-hmm. And then it like, they, and it essentially didn't work. And so they had to rebrand or change, sorry, who their ICP was. Yeah. And they had to va- make it very specific and just, and tailor everything to that one person. And from there, uh, naturally, it will expand, right? And so for Abercrombie, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but um, they changed their ICP to the person that's in their late 20s to 20s who's prepping for the 96-hour weekend. Mm. And they call it like literally like the 96-hour weekend like fit. Like this is the person that, yeah. for example, you, you're leaving today yeah. for New York? Yeah. Yes, you're leaving today yeah. for New York for a long weekend. Right. They said that they want you to only basically pack Abercrombie. When you were filling up your suitcase, that you have to make sure that you're grabbing the essentials that are right. and come from Abercrombie. For sure. Okay. That is a very specific person. When I think of the person that enjoys the 96-hour weekend, I know what I'm thinking about because yeah. it ain't me right now. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I got fucking 12-hour weekends, bro. This yeah. is the person that's like on Thursday is, is traveling somewhere. They're having drinks. Right. They're going to the bar, whatever. Friday, they're doing X, Y, Z. Yeah, you got your brunch. Saturday, you got brunching. like your brunch. Exactly. Yeah, Sunday, yeah. They're doing their brunch after they just want a morning hike. Sunday, they're doing Sunday fun day. Like right. it is that person. And, and it's also they're, uh, they're hyper in tune with fashion trends right now as yes. well. Like I think a lot of things have started shifting towards a baggier fit. You talk about Abercrombie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely not Alberts. Yeah. But, um, so the reason they did that was I listened to multiple interviews because again, one of our YouTube videos is on this. Before they took in zero customer feedback, mm. the new CEO said like they found an area where there's all this customer feedback that nobody ever looked at, and so what they had to do now was they they have multiple focus groups. They have uh they take in every collection is based off customer feedback. I mean, and it's shown that like people don't want to wear wear billboards on their clothes yeah, like unless the, no like one you wants love the brand. Like there. for example, I like Unfinished Legacy. Yeah, I'm fine with repping it. For sure. Um, but your shirt is a basic essentials, probably from Elwood. That's like, yeah. it is just, it's just a, a sick tee that you could wear with anything, but it like, there's no identity to it, which 100%. is fine. Yeah. Um, and he was going back to Allbirds. Allbirds steered away from their ICP. Mm-hmm. Their ICP was largely affluent group of 30 to 40 year old men and women who are interested in an active lifestyle and urban exploration. They steered completely away from that. Yeah. They started making shit for everybody for sure and they also um they were hyper focused on like silicon valley like tech people as well like they're very popular with anyone in vc anyone in startups and i think two things happened there number one is like it's a very trend driven uh place to live like eventually those people are going to move on to you know different types of shoes no matter who you are yeah right like it's incredibly difficult to like build a Nike or build, you know, something that just lasts forever, like an Adidas Stan Smith as a silhouette, for example. And so I think being labeled like the Silicon Valley uniform, like they were the official shoe of Silicon Valley. I think that also is something that kind of led to a, their meteoric rise because I want to be a part of the Silicon Valley elite. Like I want to look like those people. Silicon Valley do something. Everybody that's trying to be like the Silicon Valley elite follows right 100 look at the all-in podcast they got yeah. people wild out about like yeah. all sorts of different opinions but the, the, but. the thing on all birds is they completely steered away from it right and now which is good they're trying to make they're trying to come back to the 
to the original uh, ICP for for Allbirds. Yeah. And one of their, uh, somebody from their team even said it, we overemphasize products that extended beyond our core DNA. Yeah. So that's step one. If you, if you want, bring this thing back to life and you want this to be hot again, start making stuff for the people that first fell in love with your brand. For sure. And naturally and slowly expand. Yeah. The second part is they were accused of greenwashing, right? There was a mm -hmm. lawsuit saying that they were misleading in their advertising, advertising about their uh, sustainability language. That's actually BS. Mm -hmm. I call that is such bullshit because for this, I went down and I read so much on Allbirds and everything that they're doing. Um, they actually give a fuck about their sustainability efforts. And it's the problem is this, though. They do a terrible job of communicating it to the masses. Right. And to me, that is because they have a content problem. They don't shut. They Massive don't put content out. Problem. Yes, they don't put out good content on any of the social platforms, Instagram, TikTok, and we'll get into it. But YouTube. So let, let's rewind for a bit. So they started the Wool Runner, which was a lightweight right. machine washable shoe. They was called the most comfortable shoe in the world, right? And the the thing that I love that their co-founder said was they're actually trying to be slow fashion, which is the opposite of what's hot in the world now, which is fast fashion. Right. Then they're also trying to be the opposite of Nike, which mm. I thought was so interesting. Yeah. And he said it from, he said the initial idea of Allbirds was all about reduction of the shoe down to its simplest form, which is the opposite of streetwear, the streetwear model with small changes in a million different models. Yeah. And then they, they, they also go on to say that Allbirds claims that the shoe have, has 30% smaller carbon footprint than a standard pair of sneakers on the market. And they've been carbon neutral since 2019 because of this. Mm -hmm. And so then when you look at the, the actual shoe, and again, like I've never worn an Allbirds shoe. I got, you know, a little bit of swag. So like, yeah, yeah. I, no, I'm just kidding. I've never worn a shoe, but the shirt, the shoe is made up of four materials, mm -hmm. right? Merino wool, which is the one I thought I was going to fuck up. Actually, the next one's the one I know I'm going to screw up. Tensile, Lyocell. You lost me. Okay. Sweet foam and Trino. Yeah. And even their shoelaces. Trino's the, the tree extract, right? Or something like that? You shouldn't say right after that statement. I can't solidify it. There was very long explanations after each one, and I read them, but they're all sustainable. Like, okay. they're all very good material yeah. for yeah, sustainable yeah. Uh, efforts. <laughs> and then even their shoelaces, I bet you didn't know this, their shoelaces are made from plastic water bottles. Really? Interesting. Yes. And then a lot of their activewear is made from recycled nylon. And then there's another material in there that's, uh, for their activewear that's made from <laughs> crab shells. Damn. So like there's there's a lot of effort. For sure. Like one, I would have never thought. A lot of, of natural even, ingredients. Yeah. Right? There's yeah. a lot of like, things like well, I would have <laughs> never imagined. Like I would have never imagined you could make a shirt from crab shells. No, for sure. Like, I mean, that I, just seems like counterintuitive. Like I did not go to Red Lobster and like order crab and yeah. I'm like, mm, sure. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Like there's, the there's big, no uh, way. The next big trend is, you know, outer shell. And so this is the five part foundation for their for their sustainability efforts, right? And it's these five things. Number one, water. Number two, fair labor. Number three, chemistry. Number four, animal welfare. Um, number five, traceability and tra transparency. And so their whole thing is these are the foundations of the brand, and we're going to do everything in our uh, in our like in our possibility and strength to reduce our footprint, reduce our our um, our negative aspects on the world or negative effects on the world through these five things. Yeah. Um, and then there's other things on top of that. So by 2025, they're aiming to use 100% renewable energy, renewable energy uh, across all Allbird offices and retail stores. And then even by 2025, their goal is to do all their shipping by ocean, mm. which is very uh, carbon intensive in comparison to, to air freight, right? Yeah. 
the the most interesting one that reminds me a lot of Tesla was that remember when I think it was 2018 Elon Musk released all the patents for Tesla and was like look you could use all of these mm -hmm. you know my our goal is to uh to to make the world more sustainable to prevent climate change all of these things so we're going to release our patents so that our competitors can use this right they did the same thing Allbirds did the same exact thing and they open sourced the recipe for their sweet foam so the rest of the footwear industry could adopt their green EVA. Yeah. Right? And because of it, brands like Puma and and Toms have used it. Interesting. Yes. And they've even partnered with Adidas, who you would see as a competitor yeah. in this space, to launch that different... Shoe was, that shoe was hype. Yeah. So yeah. like they part they partnered with them to launch futurecraft.footprint. And again, it's like it's another like it's it's just them putting a ton of effort into their sustainability efforts. Like their whole goal is to influence the whole industry. It's not to just like sell a, a good shoe. Yeah. Right. And so when I read all of this and there's a lot of ums in there, sorry, because it's a lot of information. But when I read all of this, the problem isn't that they're they're getting accused of greenwashing or that they they are lying in their advertising. It's the fact that they have a communication problem. For sure. Right. And the best way to communicate in today's world is through content. If we go back to the framework I was talking about earlier, to me, this starts with their co-founder, Tim Brown. I don't, do you know him? Have mm -hmm. you ever? Yeah. Okay. So I, to, to me, they should be building a creative team behind Tim Brown. Yeah. 100%. He has, he lives look. out the mission. He lives it out. Yeah. And, he, and he, like, he has the look, he's an ex stalker player. He's like a good looking guy. Um, he, I've seen him speak. He's, he's uh, charismatic. He's charming. Like he's a, a, like just a good person to be front facing. Yeah. Doesn't have a Twitter. <laughs> doesn't have an Instagram, has a LinkedIn, but his LinkedIn, like He's everybody, not, yeah. yeah, everybody has a LinkedIn and that's a huge problem. Right. And so the part to me that's very interesting is there was a time in like two, 2022 and when Brian Chesky started, which is the founder of Airbnb or one of the co-founders right. of Airbnb, started putting out a lot of content on Twitter. 100%. And it was like this kind of shift where like he honestly was kind of quiet on Twitter years before. Like I think he was, he was pretty quiet before their IPO, I feel yeah. like. And I think you're totally right. Like Airbnb has gone through so many different, you know, almost parallel challenges as Allbirds in, in like the post-COVID era of yeah. people just questioning like, you know, the rates, like the impact that they're having on yeah. affordability and housing. And I think you're totally nailing it. Like him as an example where, dude, he comes out and he's like, yo, we messed up. Like, yes. I get it that you don't like looking at a price. And then when you get to checkout, it's almost like 20% yes. higher. So yes. we're going to introduce pricing 100%. that is all in at the beginning. And, yes. but like, he's so public about that announcement, right? Like he, he's posting it everywhere on social. It's a press release. You make sure yes. it runs in all sorts of different publications. Yes. And Allbirds and definitely has an opportunity to do that, that they're 100%. not taking advantage of. And so like the question I ask is, so who do you model? Brian Chesky is that person. He did this. And again, since like you said, he, they, he's been front facing since that, yeah. since for Airbnb and it is working. He is, he's legitimately Airbnb's PR team. Yeah. He is that right. for Airbnb and it's so impressive to watch and it's, it is, it's impressive to see the numbers behind it. So what the one that you're referring to was this tweet that he put out that said, you told us what you didn't like about Airbnb. Here are 50 things we're doing about it. Yeah. Okay. Fire. Yeah. <laughs> it's so yeah, yeah. good. And in another world, that is maybe a press release. That's an article on their website, mm -hmm. right? That is something that it gets traction, but or, it doesn't or reach the masses. sponsored op-ed in the New yeah, York dude, Times. Like, it doesn't reach the bullshit. masses at all. Yeah. 
And so he posted this on May 3rd, 2023. It has 5 million views and nearly 7,000 likes. And it got covered by every media publication because of it, right? Because it was, it was something completely different. Ever since that, I went back and, and I filtered Twitter by like, uh, I think it was like by two or 3,000 likes. Everything that's his top performing content is updates for Airbnb. Really? It is all like, this is how we're changing our, our pricing model. This is how we're, like you could ha- now have, uh, or you'll now be able to see if there's Wi-Fi at a place before you stay there, right? It's like all these different updates and like he is now the, the, the front face of anything that Airbnb is going to do or yeah. updating, he is the one leading and communicating it to the masses. Um, for example, another another one was today, they were introducing their biggest, this was a few weeks ago. So when I say today, I'm not referring to today, but it was like, today we're introducing the biggest change to Airbnb in a decade. Nearly 10 million impressions and 21,000 likes. Yeah. You know how much money that is to like run that as a, as a PR campaign? It's like um, close to a mil. Yeah, like that least. is so like much money. And so from my end, it's like, Build this around Tim Brown. Tim yeah. Brown needs to be this guy for all birds. Yeah. Um, build right. an entire creative team around him. And the the sick part is like there for Airbnb, the enemy was hotels. Right. right? For for all birds, they're trying to be the opposite of Nike. Play right. into that. Like yeah. that's their enemy. That's who they're going to war against. Yeah. As much as I love Nike, it <laughs> works. And guess what? Every army, it needs a leader. Yeah. And that leader needs to be Tim Brown. Um, and when even when you look at their content, a lot of their top performing content on IG is when they feature Tim Brown. Yeah. Like they have one that's Tim's closet. It's like what's inside his closet, what he does with his fits. Yeah. They just launched the Wool Runner too. And again, it's like Tim launching it or like in the front facing for that piece of content. And it crushes. Did you did you look into their YouTube at all? Yeah. Yeah. So they don't really have a consistent posting strategy, number one. And then number two, the last big content series they did was some sort of like kind of skit with Marshawn Lynch about like educating kids on climate change but like how Marshawn kind of has his own like slang like he he was it was it was like a bit right and it was making light of a situation that I would assume most of all birds most diehard fans care pretty passionately about yeah right like chances are if you are supporting a company because you believe in its ethos of trying to reduce pollution and you know make a better impact on the environment you're you're probably pretty passionate about it yes and to have it be kind of like made almost fun not made fun of but like a satirical content piece with a with a football player it's not very genuine like you know i just feel like they have such an easy opportunity to highlight the people actually at the front lines of fighting climate change and fighting you know pollution and like deforestation and all this stuff that is a result of, as you said, they're trying to be the anti-Nike, like fast fashion, like the amount of water that fast fashion uses to produce its clothes, like the amount of emissions that Nike might have at its different factories. Yes. Like, why are you not showcasing like how badass your supply chain is? And 100%. All of these different cool things about what your company is actually doing. Yes. Um, which one other thing that bothers me about why they aren't doing that is like they came up as a digitally native brand. Yes. They were objectively elite at being a digitally savvy brand. Yes. Like they used Facebook ads to scale. They were one of the biggest early Shopify stores. Like they rode the whole direct consumer wave so effectively and they haven't been able to adapt since things have changed in the last like three years. Yes. Like 
they haven't been able to adjust their strategy. Now it's like all paid ads driven and eventually your customer acquisition cost is going to go up because you've been shown to everyone in the country, right? And so they stop focusing on, you know, actually building a relationship with the people that support them. Yes. And instead they're like, how can we drop new products and acquire more of the general public and stuff like that? And one of the things that that they do as well. So like there's other two more layers to this, how to grow um, Allbirds. And one of them, they work with influencers, right? Yeah. Like a lot of brands, a lot of these brands work with influencers, but it's all product-based. Yeah, It's all like, no story you know, time. like showing the shoes. It's all like Damn, that. Are you flexible? I can, I can hit a, <laughs> if we want to go viral, I can hit a split yeah. right now on this table. All right, well, uh, we won't do this. We'll say that for like episode yeah. 69 or <laughs> yeah. something. Dude. But it is all product-based. So I'd switch my approach if I am working with influencers to creating series with these influencers. Right. And then what I would also do as well is like work with influencers that their like their target audience or sorry their their core audience is broad, but there is a segment within your that core audience that matches the ICP that you're going after. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So think um you could think people that work out, people that that are travel creators, people that are are like uh vloggers and like all those kinds of people work with them. So like one of the people that they work with is this at Carly Place. I think her name's Carly. Obviously, it's Carly. Um, and the the piece of content that they do with her is just like, it's kind of lame. It's just like showing yeah. her shoes, right? And like her, and like a clip of her hiking in the shoes. It just seems like they don't have dogs on their team. Yeah, for I'm sure. I'm just going to call it out. It's yeah, like they for don't, sure. They don't have like, they scaled to be as big of a business as they could. Yeah. And they sacrificed talent along the way. Like, yes. it's straight up. Like, you can see it across the entire execution. The thing that Allbirds did is like, you know, the blandification of all these luxury brands. Yeah. Like Allbirds is kind of like the poster child of the blandification yeah. of any sort of footwear. Like objectively, their shoe is, they wanted it to be bland, right? Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, that had its cultural moment when everything else seemed to be getting blandified as well. But yeah. now it's like people are rejecting that. Like they want a little more character and they want a little more authenticity out of brands. Yes. So... They have to adapt and they just don't have anyone at that organization. Yeah. Founders have already cashed out. They don't give a shit. Like they don't have any sort of dogs that are in there with any, any sort of like real operating experience. Like it's just all people kind of like marketing manager level that yeah. are just doing a job. Like 100%. Scheduling and a social content calendar and like putting it on Sprout and then like not really giving a <laughs> yeah. shit. Like, And that's where I think they, they need to completely shift their influencer strategy. And they almost have to take the approach of, of athletic greens. Again, if I'm if I'm partnering with Carly Place, who has a hundred and something thousand followers, I'm doing like favorite fits when I travel. Yeah, I'm doing day in the life. I'm day, doing favorite things to do when I'm at this location because she's like a travel creator. Or even like PR, right? Like say Athletic Greens, for example, like they scaled through podcasts like yeah. extremely effectively. Yes. And like Allbirds, like you have all these people that listen to like the Daily from the New York Times or like NPR's podcast, yes. like people that definitely fit squarely within your demographic like run some sort of op-ed style ad 100%. in those podcasts and be like, yeah, like this year we've actually reduced carbon emissions by X. We're the most sustainable footwear company in the world. Yes. Like don't even sell the product. Just, yeah. just talk about what you are and who you represent and get in front of the people that you need to get in front of. Yes, 100%. Like for, and specifically for these influencers, what Athletic Greens did very well was like they sp would sponsor the podcast, but in, within that partnership, 
they had to also like Andrew Huberman also had to create content with Athletic Greens for Athletic Greens page. Right. So it doesn't feel like you're selling out. Exactly. And that is what they need to do on the influencer side. And then if we go into YouTube, which is like the last part of it, which again, like this, what you're telling me, like this one of Marshawn Lynch, like I'm sure it's actually hilarious, but it has 12,000 views, 17,000 views. And like, because yeah. probably the people that, that- No one's around to hear it. Yeah, dude, like the people this, that-, yeah. that care about Marshawn Lynch, don't care about Auburn's and vice versa. No. You know, like horrendous. for Skittles, it makes sense. Bro, it it's feels like very a, v- a VP of marketing yeah. was like based in Seattle and his kid was like, yo, dad, it'd be so <laughs> sick if we could get Marshawn yeah. Lynch. I want to meet Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, He's like, oh, say like, less. I could do better. It's like so like unbelievably misaligned. Like it's crazy. So the thing I think would be interesting is in, I think it was July of, of 2022, they announced a 10-step sustainability commitment called, it's a great name, all birds flight plan mm, sick. sick which has the ambition to cut the brand's emission in half by 2025 mm. that 10-step sustainability commitment is your entire youtube strategy yeah if you're if again long-form content is the bridge to infinity the people that are gonna wear all birds for the rest of their life uh you're com- if you're committing your sustainability efforts to maximizing your mm. water usage fair labor chemistry animal warfare animal animal welfare and your transparency those are all different youtube series and playlists where you bring in the top people within those worlds that somebody that's only focused on on how to use less water how to uh uh be sustainable in your chemistry efforts like bring in those top people yeah and create series with them bring in the bill nye science guy for water for fair labor for chemistry yeah and you will build a massive youtube channel all centered around what people think you're lying about, mm-hmm. which is what this comes down to is every, not everybody, but a lot of people think you're lying, lying, especially the environmentally friendly people or like this, that literally was an article by this company called like Eco Cult or something like that, where, <laughs> yeah, right. It's perfect. Yeah, where it's like, and actually at the end they go, do we think Allbirds is like lying? And they're like, no, we actually think they're pretty great. Like they just don't, they don't do, do a enough. good job. Yeah, of talking yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. And to me, YouTube would be the play for them mimicking red bull mimicking patagonia what's well, show don't tell right yes like put your money where your mouth is and i mean put that content out there and yeah. don't just talk about sustainability like show the people amplify the voices that are trying to lead this movement for you um yes yeah all right well all birds we're available yeah uh you could even sponsor this podcast you um, can. i will <laughs> wear all birds on yeah. the pod. I know you will. Would I, you? I, dude, I was a huge Alberts guy. I uh when they dropped their first wool runner, um, not wool runner, but the uh yeah. they had like the performance running shoe. Shit was dope. It was okay, a great so. shoe. Um, but now it's like I just can't I can't fade it. Can't fade it. That's fair. Cool, man. Well, that was good stuff. Yeah. Um you have a flight I'm, to New York to catch. Yeah, I gotta get out of here. Because guess what? 90 hours, 96 hour weekend. 96 hour ahead. weekend. There's Do you have Abercrombie. any Abercrombie? Oh yeah. Like their new shit? Yeah. Dude, Is they got it, these pants that are fire. I agree. Are you taking any of it to New York? I am. Yeah. They're okay. fucking doing their job. I'm telling you, man. Dude, they're winning. Okay, I'm not going to lie. Their CEO, I was, ex- I was expecting two things. I was either expecting somebody that was just like super trendy and like cultural and like understood what was going on or no disrespect, Fran, an old head. Yeah. And like somebody that just like had glasses and just looked like a certified badass. Uh-huh. The new CEO, which flipped the whole company around. Yeah. Look her up. 
is just a certified badass. Like she is my crush. Fran? Yeah, Fran Horowitz. Fran's a dog. She that, exactly. She <laughs> is a dog. No, she actually like this is the wildest turnaround. She's like crushed it so much. Um I can't wait till you watch the Abercrombie video. Yeah. Um I can't wait either. The shit that I know we have to wrap up. CEO and director of the board. Yes. Going crazy. The shit that Abercrombie did, like that I wasn't aware of. Like I was just I mean, I didn't shop at Abercrombie, but I would go in just to to go in there. Mm-hmm. The shit that they did and like the way they marketed crazy yeah they said there's like there's one famous line where like the old ceo mike jeffries is like we market to the good-looking people and the good-looking people only like if you're not part of the cool kids you have no yeah there's no reason for you to wear our clothes like so cancelable in today's day and age unbelievable this was 2006 and like part of that video i say i'm like dude imagine if a ceo today said that yeah i mean this dude is literally getting uh (laughs) he's literally getting like canceled as we speak yeah yeah Brian, have you ever have you ever seen what Mike Jeffries looks like? Uh no. But I, look look him up real quick. Yeah, he looks like a Are you fucking kidding me? Huh? How are crazy. you like good looking gookin? Like yeah. this is crazy. Yeah. Nah, he was he was left out of too many group chats, so he had to get back at everybody. Yeah. All right, last part. Did you know Abercrombie was around since the eighteen hundreds? Uh I did not. Pretty, was that just Abercrombie before they were Ann Fitch? Uh I don't know. Damn, bro. <laughs> Hit me with that question. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the company was originally established as Abercrombie Co. by David Abercrombie on June 4th, 1892. That's wild. Bro, look at these fits. Oh, no fucking way. They must be these are straight, crazy. like, streetwear pilgrim fits. Yo, streetwear pilgrim might be the, <laughs> might be the needs of 2024, man. All right, that's a wrap on Sweat Equity. <laughs> Let's go. We, we got too carried away. We forgot about the Trojan horse. Yeah. But uh, if people want to see that, we're going to be posting that clip on our YouTube. So it'll be separate from this. So make sure you go subscribe there. All right. We'll see you all next time. Peace.